So I've never bought an umbrella. I think it's stupid. Yeah, me I don't neither. think it does anything. I like to be one of those people who, you know, when you look at people walking in the rain, just take a risk. But no, but they look like it's not raining. So that's what I try to be, <laughs> yeah. like one of those really weird people yeah. who is walking upright. And welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr and I'm delighted to welcome to studio my guest panellists for this week. Writer and actress Stephanie Preisner is here as well as founder of Girl Crew Elva Carey. Ladies, you're very welcome to the show. A little bit later on, we'll be chatting to international rugby player Sene Naupu for our Spotlight on Sport. First up, ladies, welcome. We like to start things off with a game. It's called Six Words or Less and it's for our listeners and our readers of Her.ie who may not know who you are so you have to describe yourself in six words or less and I think we're going to go to Elva first because you look like you really want to get it out oh yeah no that was me racking my brain <laughs> to try and recount how many words it was and going oh my god the, I don't think this describes anything that I do but <laughs> go uh, on mine was love tea coffee chats learning eating oh I like that that's really great and it's really descriptive yeah tea coffee chats Learning uh, and eating. And eating. Yeah. Perfect. You're just ticking all, all the, the boxes. Stuff. Yeah. Stephanie, six words or less? Um, my eyebrows are like face caterpillars. <laughs> 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 I like that this is a radio podcast. I am aware that there is a GoPro on my face, but <laughs> really close. Uh, yeah. my. Yeah, my my fatal flaw are my eyebrows. I can't hide how I feel. And when I was in the Gaiety School of Acting, our film teacher told me I would never have a career on television or film because my eyebrows were like caterpillars chasing each other across my face. Okay, so as in they told you that you had descriptive eyebrows, essentially. Like too expressive? Like you're too expressive? You're too expressive, yeah. But I mean, eyebrows are kind of the goal now. That's like people get eyebrows tattooed on and everything now so you've yeah. got a good set from That's what I can see I love your expressive face that's what I loved about the time I saw you on Cutting Edge oh, one time yeah. and like your reactions are so clear and I think in I that think, context anyway it was amazing because it was like yes that's how I feel that's how I feel that's right how now. I feel about George Hook telling yeah. me about the first time he saw a naked breast yeah I think it was please. I think it was turned into a meme actually or it was definitely turned into like I sometimes get it as a gif a little video yeah, yeah. of just your yeah. expressions but remember yeah remember that dairy milk ad they had an ad as well where it was just, like people doing this kind of thing oh yeah oh yeah I, I could have done that too <laughs> could have done that <laughs> I think your eyebrows look great. Elva, you are the creator of, co-founder, co-creator of Girl yeah. Crew. Mm-hmm. So just for any of our listeners who may not know, tell us a little bit about it. It's kind of been called a Tinder for female friendships, isn't that right? Yeah, it has been called that. And actually, there's a couple of apps that are a bit more like Tinder for friendships because you can swipe for friends. So Girl Crew is kind oh, of okay. a bit more social media, but the yeah. focus being offline local events. Yeah. So it is that you... Uh, sign up to the app you follow your city or you can follow topic groups as well um, and then you can like go to any of the events that are posted you get little alerts of events go up or posts go up or you can post any events so the events are kind of like not official yeah. eventy type events but it's kind of just like oh this gig is on and none of my friends want to go does anyone want to go with me and that's kind of like how it started so it started back yeah. in 2014 and essentially you just yeah. you just wanted to go out yes and you didn't have anyone to go out with yes <laughs> so you went on tinder busy or yeah. tired or it didn't want to go to whatever i wanted to go to and so yeah i used tinder and i changed my gender setting to male so that i chopped all the girls who were looking for guys and was kind of like Hey, right. remember when going out used to be fun because I felt like I didn't even remember the last time I went out where it was like a big amazing yeah. night out like I'd been out but it just wasn't the same crack it used to be and I think because the numbers had slowly dwindled and we had all gotten gradually tired or from yeah. working or whatever um, and yeah I had a hundred matches within 24 hours of everyone feeling the same or That's their amazing. friends having emigrated yeah. and stuff yeah so I was just like oh my god what have I done well you kind of tapped into I think a community of women who were probably feeling the same way as you but yeah. who maybe weren't able to express it yeah and didn't realise that everybody else was feeling like that yeah. even you know because I remember like the summer before that happened uh, walking down like the canal and everyone was out in the mm. sunshine drinking and hanging out with their friends I was like 
I don't actually even know who to text. Like, I know Debbie will be working now yeah. and I know my sister is, like, busy with something or whatever. I was like, does everybody else have people they just have for everything? Because I think yeah. in a city as well, it's very, like, apparent that yeah. loads of people are out having the time of their lives or they look like they are. Yeah, but a um, bunch of them are usually just people who've kind of all moved from their offices to the canal yeah, you know yeah, so I it's not so. but yeah. when you walk by that and you're not involved when you're sad about it yeah <laughs> and when you're not involved in parts it. of it are massive yeah. yeah Stephanie you've written about female friendships I mean I suppose if we were to look at can cope won't cope obviously it's about a lot of struggles and there's alcohol issues and stuff but at the kind of heart of it there's a female friendship which I think the very beginning of season one everybody related to because it was like two best friends going out and having the absolute crack and then things started to change was that something that kind of came from your own experiences with your own friends of how things evolved over time or was it just a kind of a look at modern friendships today I think it's a little of both I think so we have a lot of templates on in, in fiction for for male friendships and for you know for romantic relationships male female and I know that when I was growing up I was told like a very clear set of rules and guidelines of how to react if men treated me in a certain way but I was never told like when your friend does this this is how you react I was always told just be a good friend and I've suffered more like heartache and trauma at the hands of my female friends than I have from any man because the motto growing up and that I sort of absorbed was to be a good friend mm. and so with Ashling and Danielle I think certainly with your friends it comes down to when you're young geography and temporality like yeah. you were both young in Mallow at the same time <laughs> yeah. therefore you are friends yeah. and I had an experience which I wrote about in my book and which you know isn't in Canco Bonco but Ashling and Danielle have their own version of it which made me go back and look at my friendships and say Hang on, if I met you, friend, for the first time mm. tomorrow, yeah. would we have any reason to be friends apart from, like, history, geography, and, like, the other subjects we studied at school together because yeah. that's why we're friends. <laughs> yeah. um, and in season two, I'm looking at how you develop a taste in friends when you have to go, oh, hang on, now I need to get friends. Yeah. And, and, and what do I look for? Yeah. In the same way as like, what do I look for in a guy? I know that I like this kind of guy. But how do you discern what makes a friend? And loads of my friends love your app and they use it. Yeah. I can't relate yeah. to it at all. I, yeah. It gives me such fear. I don't like yeah. do, I don't like anything where people congregate. I don't yeah. like okay. socialising. So I that's don't kind of, drink. So that's more about like, it would give you social anxiety essentially to go and meet a group of people that you'd never met before. So it, I would run, my, I would yeah. never put myself in that situation. Okay, yeah. I don't and have I Tinder. Thought because I thought I would hate it I was like not that I thought I would hate it initially but when there was a hundred people that I matched with I was like I wanted to go out dancing with like three people and I was terrified it was going to be like a hen weekend yeah. every weekend and I was like am I now obliged to participate in like whatever anyone wants to do and I think the beauty of it was that people started to organise everybody organised their own stuff so you could join in yeah. like the particular things you wanted so I felt like okay I can join in like if I want to go for coffee or do this or so that's it to me but I know people as well who like uh, like one person who's super close to me joined for like half an hour and they were like I, ca I can't well, I just can't even be in it they were like no I think it's one of those things as well though that a kind of being at a point in your life where you can say okay all of my friends like you'd be hard pushed to find somebody who doesn't have like a solid group of friends that they all grew that they grew up with or that they went to school with but I think when you grow up and you get a little bit older getting mm. to a point where you could admit that maybe on a Friday night you have nobody to go out with is kind of a scary thing for me so I wouldn't have fear Stephanie like you said about going into a situation like that I would have more fear of kind of admitting that the friends that I think are my oh, best yeah. friends That's are actually hard. maybe not your best friends anymore after a certain amount of time because like yeah. you said that about geography and circumstance and stuff like this but like have you actually ever made that decision and broken away from people who you are supposed to be best friends with for the rest of your life yep absolutely and how did that go like that's a bit scary I realised um, so no was the first thing I ever said ever in my whole life mm -hmm. and it was that was your I first was, word first word that's all funny. I said for about a month then I forgot <laughs> to say it for like 26 years 
and this and, and my new book is going to look at this because since I've learned to say no again and that means like no to friendships not yeah. just no to the coffee which is like actually this entire paradigm is not working for me mm. so I'm just going to take a step back it's amazing and so I it was not scary they weren't working for me I tried in certain ways but I've also been dumped by friends you know like I've been and it's not about it. I think for me then it was about learning how to do that in a in a respectful way yeah um, and it's 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 a weird power shift because it's it's it is like a breakup. Um, in in friendships, there's a give and a take. You know, mm. like you want to go to Domino's and I want to go to Eddie Rockets, and we sort of have a chat and we see who wants it more, and then we go with whoever wins. Mm. But when two people are in a friendship and one of them doesn't want to be a friend anymore, mm. there is no negotiation. Like the person who says no. Mm you can't force someone to be in friendship with you and so it's very difficult for the other person to be like oh they don't want to be my friend anymore but people get over it and I've gotten over it and other people have as well but there is that thing sometimes then on a Friday night where I'm like mm, well no that would never happen but like on a Friday afternoon I'm like oh I, I might like a coffee with someone and there's no one around I have to reconcile that that's, that's a product of the decisions that I've made mm. but nine times out of ten I walk past groups of people on the canal and I have the joy of missing out like yeah. unadulterated I love joy that, the joy of missing out that I don't Jomo. have to we have to that's a new one now yeah the yeah. joy of missing out I yeah. do not have to engage with this yeah and um, you know I am almost always alone like mm. I have a best friend and he lives with me and he's amazing and he's so we just click and we work with each other but often we don't we work for each other together but very often we're in silence together mm. you know and that's what I love um, but apart from that um, if I never met m- more people again I'd be grand <laughs> just, I was kind of waiting for what that sentence was going to become and it was exactly what I thought I was like I'd be fine forever and ever like, I'm never lonely so it's not like when I'm alone it's you know? not like you're like you know making conscious decisions to maybe not have friends who aren't really contributing anything to your life but you're not going out there trying to replace friends with new no. friends and if anything happens kind of naturally or whatever then that's fine too yes and I have people who I love ferociously and I'm incredibly loyal yeah. but I don't need the face to face time yeah. with them for that to you know like yeah. for, f- to keep it up and I think that nowadays because we're so I think disconnected by the connections that we have which are so tenuous on social media and stuff that there's this pressure to like keep your friends constantly updated on your life and yeah. like I don't Oh it's a huge pressure I mean it's kind of I think that's social media in general as well and I think like in a really creepy way I think I follow you Stephanie on on Instagram and stuff so when you were talking about your housemate there and your comfortable silences I was aware of those that's creepy like I don't know who your housemate is but I know that you've documented it a little bit so I think Did you see that I took his underwear to the gym? Yes Oh god On purpose or by accident? By accident You were just like bringing it out for a little trip Did you you wear them? I had to What else was I meant to do? Walk commando from the gym Yeah go commando from the gym No I didn't I wore them and the boy is skinnier than me I was like ooh these are uncomfortable and then I was like I'll wash them and he was like please throw them away I do not want them <laughs> they kind of looked they looked too. like girl briefs though to be fair that's how I made the mistake because yeah. I wear girl briefs right. and that's too much information <laughs> but um, yeah so I took his underwear by accident and now they're in the bin so talking about friendships it's interesting we kind of spoke about it a little bit there outside before we came in so Stephanie you're working on um, a radio I suppose would you call it a documentary series or would you call it yeah, uh, for RT Radio 1, it's a uh, five. So we did one episode and now we're doing four more, which is it's called Situationships and it's about different types oh. of relationships you can be in. And the yeah. first one was about female friendships. Right, which and we've kind of touched on a little bit. So tell us what the other ones are then. Uh, the other ones are mentors, heroes slash figures of authority. Yeah. Is one. Then uh, sisters and mothers and female family. That's members. so interesting. I find that such an interesting topic. I don't think it's talked about as much, but I think like in your own family, the relationships that you have with other females are probably the most intricate relationships that are out there. Oh my God, you would need graphs. Like, yes, I have this half sister, like 
who I don't know I've never met and yeah. sometimes pops up on like socials or so will she'd get in touch me. with you the odd time yeah she got in touch with me with Facebook I don't okay. have Facebook anymore right I mean I'd say that's a contributing this? factor <laughs> definitely um like I, so I'm not an expert in anything so anything any of my work is like <laughs> me looking at my own thing and mm-hmm. then sort of cracking into the macro of how like you know I used to think that I had a chronic illness called like terminal uniqueness where I was <laughs> so unique no one understood me but actually I'm just basic bitch like everyone else um, and I, I've yet to meet someone who isn't basic so I look that. at my own relationship so I co-host with Rachel Yoder who's my best friend lives in New York okay. and so she's flying back and we record them together we look at like our own relationships with let's say our mothers yeah. I don't have a dad and I don't have any brothers so I just have my mum and my nana okay. so it's real female focused she's got some sisters she's got a mum and then we'll get um, like maybe some Irish sisters who people would know mm-hmm. to talk about their relationship so yeah. we, we look at our at people outside of ourselves um, and then our other episodes look at um, housemates mm-hmm. and the people that you live with and I can't remember what the fourth episode there was, was right I can't re- yeah you said it outside I can't remember either but we're going to have to take a quick break now so Irish international rugby player Sene Naopu I know I'm saying that wrong but she's cool she'll she'll be okay with it It's uh, she's on a mission to connect athletes in Ireland with professional coaches I caught up with her earlier this week and here's how we got on Irish international rugby player Sene Naupu joins me now on the line. Sene, thanks so much for coming on and chatting to us. Um, I want to talk about Sen Shaper and Sports Gaff in a little while. But first off, can you tell us a little bit about your own sporting background and how you came to Ireland in 2009 with your husband, isn't that right? Yeah, we came uh, in December 2009 um, on a short-term gig. So we just here for six months. Um, we loved the place so much, but we had already signed with the Japanese club at the time. But yeah. um, fortunately, we were um, we were lured back, and we were really grateful to have had um, Eric Elwood and uh, Jerry Kelly and Tim and other than want George back. So we came back to Ireland in 2011. Right. And when you moved here, I mean, obviously, you, you have been playing rugby since you were younger, right? I had been, I'd been playing in the backyard with my brother and my cousins. Um, uh, so uh, um, I suppose that's where the, the sporty nature side of me um, started. But basketball was my was actually my first sport. Oh, right. Okay. And so when you came to Ireland, did you have a goal to play internationally? Or was it something that was even on your radar that you thought you could do? Um, well, growing up in New Zealand, after school, I... Um, you know, went to sports institutes um, and was involved in academies there for basketball and rugby. And I suppose over the years while I was in New Zealand, I was always, um, you know, fortunate to have made um, teams in New Zealand and, yeah. and training squads, you know, at the national level and things like that. So in, in terms of um, belief, I knew, you know, um, I felt there was more to give for me mm. to the sport, but um I had married my my husband there at the time, and we travelled for his career with the rugby and things. So, you know, that was a decision we made, and we um, had come overseas and moving to Galway. I didn't think that, um, you know, I, I always wanted to play at say club level and things like that. But um, I had taken a couple of years out, and after having you know moved to Ireland, and we felt a bit more settled mm-hmm. um, in terms of his career and the fact that we loved Galway, we loved Ireland, and um, I felt. At the time, I felt the fittest I'd ever felt in my life, and you know, at uh, the tender age of what, 27, 28, um, you know, later than a lot of the girls, you know, typically do in terms of their phase development. But um, yeah, so it wasn't until then that I felt, um, I suppose, I felt fit enough to to, to attend a sevens talent ID yeah. um, session through, you know, Facebook ad I saw from Irish Rugby that they put out back in, you know, back then. So I suppose um, the confidence from actually feeling fit was the first, um, I suppose, sign for me or the first um, encouraging sign for me to sort of think, oh, no, I, you know, I feel good enough that, um, 
you know, still be able to um, express myself on the pitch and things without sort of being a liability to the other girls yeah. if I wasn't. So off the field as well, you are incredibly busy too. So you're a health, fitness, lifestyle and nutritional coach. So one of the programs you have, it's called Send Shaper and it's designed to, it says on your website that it's designed to get you fit, lean and toned in just four weeks. So I'm going to need you to tell me everything about that and how exactly I'm going to do that as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyone who applies themselves for 30 days, um, at least there's a lot of research done on that, that um, if you do apply yourself for the, the correct duration, frequencies throughout mm. the week and over those four weeks, anyone will get results. And it's not just fitness, it's anything um, in terms of changing habits, um, you know, to, 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 to get results that you haven't been previously getting because obviously more of the same equals more of the same in terms of the program itself, it's a uh, it was a, it's a sports inspired fit group in this program that um, I started in Galway um, those years when we came to when we first when we second when we came to Galway the second time when we felt that um, we were a bit settled there. So I was teaching classes across Galway um, at the time, and we were teaching um, another form of Les Mills classes, which are fantastic, and you know, obviously they're, they're in New Zealand um, franchises. Well, they started in New Zealand there, but um, uh, a lot of the gyms weren't licensing their programs. You know, so in terms of Sin Shaper, that's that's why I developed that particular program so that we would be able to license them to gyms and trainers to, to teach those sorts of programs. And it's much different to, to the Les Mills programs as well. A bit more functional compound exercises where you're doing more than one exercise, you know, working one muscle, more than one muscle group at a time um, and you're combining a few different elements that um, can almost replicate a little bit of what, um, you know, some sports teams do. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I was going to ask about that. So you say that it's kind of rooted in, in sports and I mean, is that something that you can explain for our listeners of the podcast and our readers of Her.ie in terms of like, what would be the difference if someone was to go and follow your program as opposed to say somebody who would go to a spin class three times a week or someone who would go to Zumba or something like that. I mean, is there functional differences in the training that that is that comes along with Zen Shaper? Yeah, absolutely. It's a class where when you turn up, and whether you're a beginner or a regular um, exerciser or if you're an athlete, so you come into class and you actually have to switch on right from the start because there's three different training methods in the one class. And we've actually shortened the time. So over the years, we've sort of we've constantly developed the the format of it so that we can optimise. And you know, in terms of um, learning from other classes, what works, what doesn't work, in terms of our delivery, um, and getting the best results for our clients and members, um, that's something that we've learned over the, over the years. So in terms of the format of it, the first 20 minutes is literally just four tracks, um, and it's a uh, it's four strength. Yeah. Uh, compound exercises where a lot of it is functional movement. So you might be doing, say, a, a goblet squat with the press overhead, or, um, for example, you might be doing a lunge curl and press, or, you know, so it's not just, for example, you're in a body pump class and you're doing a bicep curl for five minutes. So you're doing other movements at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Weights-wise, it's a little lighter because the reps are higher. Um, so straight after that, you literally, you know, the, the our clients have to get rid of their weights, so we sort of, you know, one minute to get them back to the room where they with weights stick and we come back in to do our plyo set so in terms of the plyo this is where it becomes a bit more sports specific so mm. some of the classes we have we'll have say um insurance where we had it with Ancafri there's a lot of GAA out there so we'd, we'd, we'd specify those plyo exercises to a lot of what sort of the GAA you know girls and guys um might do in their training sessions or what they might um benefit from in terms of transference so you know a lot of uh, jumping and sprinting short sharp movement deceleration type movements that are um, within the plyometric um, athletic movement and then we finish with the finisher sprint um, if there's a room in someone's gym or the uh, commercial gym or a community center for them to do the sprint yeah. then they do we do a run where it's a uh, the specific times are uh, uh, specifically designed or uh, it's a spin so it's either a finisher sprint or a finisher spin. So you get all three elements in the one class. And so that's uh, 42, 45 minutes. So you, you need the hour altogether. Yeah. Um, 
So that's pretty much um, that's pretty much it. So Finish your sprint uh, sounds absolutely awful. I'm not going to lie to you, um, but I'd say it's <laughs> incredibly effective. Before I let you go, Sene, another project that you have is Sports Gaff, and so the aim of this I saw on your Twitter page is to connect grassroots sports teams and athletes with professional coaches. So how did the idea for this come about, and how is it going? Oh, thanks very much for asking about it. You're very good. Um, so it's been a passion project of uh, a colleague of mine, Mark Vesme, and myself yeah. the last number of months. And sure, as you know, around 80% of local sports clubs in Ireland and abroad are run by volunteers who yeah. kindly donate their time to building clubs and teams without any you know, formal training or structure and support. And they're the backbone of sports in most countries, not just in Ireland, but abroad. Um, and they're typically a parent. You know, we've done a bit of research and we're typically a parent of a son or daughter involved in the club and were, you know, stood around long enough and ended up being the coach, yeah. you know, responsible for your under-14, under-16 girls or boys team. And there's, you know, 50 kids there that you're, uh, you know, that they're expected to then coach. And wow. sort of, for some of them, at their prime phase of development in that particular sport. Mm. Um, so, yeah, in terms of these um, uh, volunteers, we, uh, you'll know yourself and I had over 1.6 million athletes and over 12,000 clubs in Red Island participate in sport regularly at the grassroots level. And all of them are supported each week by over 450,000 volunteers. Yeah. And with SportsGAF, we just, we, there needs to be something that can assist these volunteers and great work that they're doing. So we're in the process of building, we're in the pre-launch phase of um, building a new coaching platform called SportsGAF. Yeah. And our mission is to connect grassroots teams and athletes with professional coaching, as you mentioned. And it's mainly to enable a knowledge sharing and a coaching experience that's typically only reserved for the most elite teams and yeah. athletes. Um, and you'll know yourself, coaches play an integral role in sports and player development and the influence of a good coach on an athlete's life at that particular age um, can often go beyond the sporting field. So we've identified this need for, um, I suppose, uh, expert coaching exposure across the grassroots level, and we hope to encourage inclusion and participation and fun at all stages of the athletes' development or, you know, their team's development and their chosen sport through the um, learning processes of what, you know, professional coaches can offer, and, and even coaches coaching the coaches. Um, yeah. So we've, um, we've been really fortunate to have so much support from a few of the NGBs well, in Port mean- Island and it's so incredible because I was speaking to, I interviewed um, your captain, Kara Griffin, for, for this podcast before. And one of the yeah. things one of the things that I ask kind of most athletes that we have on is how we can get more young girls involved in sports. And, and it always comes back to grassroots and to kind of connecting them with sports at a younger age. And I think being able to offer them, you know, professional coaches and, and not having to put a huge amount of pressure on the amazing and that incredible volunteers that we have is incredible. And it's kind of shocking to me that you know no one else has really thought of doing something like this so I really hope that it that it kind of takes off I mean it definitely is needed I think in this country thank you so much Neve and uh, we were ourselves thinking the exact same thing yeah. and um, I'm really grateful I absolutely love I'm studying a um, master's in sports business management with UCD and I absolutely love sort of learning about different things in terms of the Irish sports landscape and it baffles me every time, you know, yeah. that something like this isn't um, available. There's some fantastic coaching courses out there across all the NGBs, but the next step then is connecting these coaches um, with, 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 you know, the teams that need it and, and also providing an easier access for these teams and individual athletes to have access to bring someone in for a one-off session or a re- regular session. It might be a specialist, um, say, scrum coach, or you might need uh, these girls that we um, have on our database that are looking for you know speed work to get quicker in the off season. So we've got some top class specialist speed coaches in the SECs there, and with some you know some fantastic coaches on the database that we're really excited to help um, you know promote and, and give this service to other clubs and schools even. Yeah. Um, and these coaches are at the caliber where they they already coach coaches. So we're really really fortunate to have um, some huge support from some you know expert coaching um, guys around Ireland and we're still to get around a lot of the counties there um, so we're still working our way around meeting other um, you know 
top class coaches in Ireland and even in the UK some of them are willing to come over if things are you know if there's clinics there if there's a need for it so yeah. it's um it's an exciting time for us because Absolutely. we know that we're doing good I think uh, I think that's going to be a game changer. And listen, Sene, thank you so much for taking the call and best of luck with everything in the future. Thanks so much, Nee. Appreciate it. So, obviously, lads, I think this is going to be going out on Monday. So by then, I'm pretty sure that the weather is going to be um, back to normal. But the weather is incredible at the moment. So we ran a piece on site there recently about it um, one of the things was just nine things that Irish people are unprepared for in a heat wave I don't even know would you call this a heat wave like no it's <laughs> not it's kind of warm it? I, think, it was I think it's just the comparative like I I've yeah. been cold yeah. since September yeah. so anything <laughs> close to like I was just about to move into a polytunnel I was like I can't deal with cold anymore like um, polytunnels are awesome though like that's a cool idea anyway I was like oh I've never considered living in one <laughs> I would like I just I, I, so you like the heat then you're you're, you're no, I just experience the cold chronically. I have okay. a really slow heart rate. All right, okay. So my body temperature is quite low and my hands, like I can't text in winter. I can't write on a MacBook. Okay. Because my my hands are frozen. Like. Okay. So um, this has been a particularly long winter. It's it feels, been aggressive, yeah. Yeah, it feels like it's been bad. Like last week, I think in particular, we were talking about the weather a huge amount. I think as a nation, we all talk about the weather probably a little bit too much than we should anyway. I think that if we stopped talking about the weather, it would be another move towards us talking about ourselves. And the weather is something, at least, <laughs> that people are... It is this thing that we have no control over. Yeah. It is something bigger than us. It is something that constantly makes us feel like, oh, like, yes, we can have, like, automated cars, but we can't control whether it's going to rain tomorrow. And yeah. I think it's really important for us to have as many things as possible that remind us that we are not the most powerful thing on the planet. So mm-hmm. I love when people talk about the weather. Really? And like the weather um, messes things up for people. I'm I didn't like, know <laughs> that you were going to be this passionate about the weather. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But do you not think that it's weird how Irish people are always really surprised when it rains? Yeah, but like, but it's it's bonkers. Like it can rain four, five, six days in a row, and people are like, I can't believe. But do you see what that raining. betrays? Our it stupidity? Betray- no, it betrays the fact that they think <laughs> that they knew what was going to be the case. They <laughs> oh, think that they knew okay. that they can. Co- it's like, yeah, you have no idea. It's a microcosm for like your entire existence. Yeah, it's like I'm going to do this next Sunday. It's like, oh, you think so? Do you? Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> because there is a bigger plan than your diary entries. I'm pretty proud of the fact that I have never bought an umbrella. Never. Have you not? No, I just... I, I had a housemate who hated other people having umbrellas so she would love you because she was like, why can't people just wear a hood or a hat? Because she was like, it get, they stick in people's eyes and they're not well, safe first off, and they're not dangerous. Umbrellas don't work in Ireland because the rain comes at you from different angles. Like that yeah. was one of the things... Well, my, I've seen these ones that come like halfway down you. You're kind of in like... I know, I think my life sphere. is tough enough to be yeah. honest with you without <laughs> bringing that sense of ridicule into my life by being completely covered. So I've never bought an umbrella. I think it's stupid. Yeah, Me I don't neither. think it does any. Anything. I like to be one of those people who, you know, when you look at people walking in the rain. Just take a risk. But no, but they look like it's not raining. So that's what I try to be, <laughs> yeah. like one of those really weird people yeah. who is walking upright and not. Yeah, yeah. I've tried to do that because I'm like, it's super cause fun. You, you start hunching a little bit like and putting your head down a little bit as if that's going to stop any rain getting Oh yeah, you, you just kind of, so if, like, you, if you lean down a little bit. But what I do is when I'm in my car on the way to work, I'll look at the people as opposed to looking at the actual weather and gauge. So if I was to see you walking down the road, Stephanie, and you look like it's the best day of the year, I'd be like, I don't absolutely don't need any kind of rain gear whatsoever because it doesn't look like it's raining, even though it is raining. But freelancers mess that up. And the gig economy messes that up. Freelancers. Because, yeah, because if you look at the people who leave the house in the morning to go to their office job, they are always dressed in like colder weather clothes yeah. because it's freezing in Ireland in the morning but it yeah. will probably be 19 degrees this afternoon and there will be people freelancers who didn't get up until whatever Yeah, and they are in shorts and t-shirts so in any day in Ireland there are like the people who left the house at <laughs> 7 o'clock the yeah, people who left the house sure. at 1 o'clock and the people who left the house at 4 o'clock when it is scorchio yeah. and you cannot tell what the weather was by the people who are walking so we have afternoon. a conclusion we have to blame freelancers if we the ever the gig economy don't blame the freelancers <laughs> sorry, blame sorry. the economy it's the entire gig economy so we also ran a piece <coughs> there on site about uh, unicorn snot and um, 
So this is about glitter and okay, I'm not I'm not gonna say that I hate glitter. I love glitter. But I'm well sick of unicorns, to be honest with you. And I'm well sick of people saying that they want to be unicorns and mermaids are kind of starting to creep in now as well. So it's kind of like be yourself, but if you can't, be a mermaid. And I just feel like it's it's just not doing us any favours. So this this story in particular now the, the uh, journalist who wrote it Orla she was saying as well that you know the glitter trend is done and we're kind of over it but basically I will never be over glitter see I want to talk to you about this Elva but I'm fine with you um, being so open and honest about it Unicorn Snot is a glitter SPF that promises to have you glistening in glitter highlight your inner unicorn with a one of a kind sunscreen that keeps that gorgeous skin protected with a lightweight sparkle now this is the product description um, so the sun cream comes in three different colours and provides a broad spectrum of SPF 30 coverage yeah okay um, it's priced at like twenty four fifty, and you actually have to pre-order it because it's um, selling it's out. selling out like yeah. hotcakes I saw that unicorns I'm not into and like there is that whole thing of like it being uh, yeah a trend I guess in Penny's clothes or something uh, and like makeup brushes with mm-hmm. unicorn shaped handles and loads of different things and uh so I'm like yeah I'm not into that side of it I okay. kind of feel like oh, as a child that's like a lovely idea or if you're going to look at it as like a really interesting like mythical subject yeah. or something maybe there's some depth to it uh, but as a just a girl thing for adult women I find it a bit odd but uh also in my industry because we're a tech, tech company, company like the unicorn status is like the billion dollar companies so we have a mascot at Girl Crew who is a unicorn um, we found her in the two euro store and she came home to our office one day right. um, but she is that's a, to do with your industry so I'm okay yeah, with that unicorn so we decided to get her one day when we were bringing loads of fun stuff into the office to try and do a boring job less boringly mm. um, and we named her Petunia Unicron and she has her own Facebook page and she hates <laughs> she hates Girl Crew and and she hates being our mascot because she never got a say and she's really against like uh, the commercialization of her species and I mean of it. so okay. she gives out about unicorn propaganda so maybe she's that. she's a smart unicorn then if she's yeah, against she it so we love her but she hates everything <laughs> what do you think do you think that um, it's helping or hindering our cause as women with our obsession about trying to be unicorns and mermaids and shit <laughs> <laughs> I've had a lot of thoughts in the last couple of minutes and I don't and I'm gonna disagree with myself continuously. One, I think so my first thought is that I would rather like unicorns and stuff like that than like dragons and the old like, you know, like dragons den and all that sort of like Minotaur hyper masculine stuff. Oh, yeah. Secondly, um I think that, you know, like the major tenet of feminism is like oh my god if a woman wants to wear a unicorn let her wear a unicorn like that's her own choice definitely and also but I have had so many disappointing shopping experiences where I've really liked a t-shirt or a jumper and then there's a goddamn unicorn on it like (laughs) I don't want it like if you want to have a unicorn that you get in the two euro stores your mascot that's perfectly brilliant but like can you also give me an option where there isn't a unicorn on the thing and um, what I think is nice I was working I was delivering a in motivational speech or whatever at a school recently and there was boys and girls um, who had these unicorns with rainbow horns and mm-hmm. like it's I don't think it's just a female thing I think it's more of a, an emblem of this sort of you know gender fluid you know accepting all paradigm that yeah. we now live in but anytime I see a unicorn I think of the unicorns on top of the custom house building down on a Custom House Key. There is a statue of yeah. a unicorn on the top of Custom A unicorn and a lion. That's because weird. the unicorn is like the national animal of, I want to say Scotland. Yeah. And the lion is England. Oh, it is. It's Scotland. I think I wrote a story on it. But sure, look, <laughs> that's not a real animal. Like. No. <laughs> I think we're all grand as long as we tell the youth of today that unicorns and dinosaurs yeah. unicorns and dinosaurs are not the same thing unicorns no, no. were never real it's not that they're extinct because yeah. some kids that I was speaking to believe that unicorns are extinct and not mythical yeah. love it the mermaid and the unicorn thing is all grand as long as we don't make it a feminist issue which yeah. distracts us from the actual feminist issues which are yes. like you know the gender pay gap and yeah. uh, me too movements and stuff exactly. so I think that too often we get distracted by like oh but I don't want this on my cappuccino frock but it's really but. hard to not get distracted when there's unicorns and glitter and mermaids everywhere but uh, you're right it's the, there are the bigger issues but um, speaking of issues that 
are relating to women an interesting thing happened to me um, during the week so I forgot my wallet one day in work right my, my car got clamped and I also got my period all on the same day so basically I had to like borrow money off my boss in order to get lunch that was my that was like I wasn't worried about getting my car unclamped I was worried about my lunch yeah. so, so the car stayed in town for the night and then I got my period and um, I realised that I didn't have any money to buy tampons yeah. so I started having like a really odd period situation I was over in the office and I just kind of started walking around to women's desk and asking them and then I started to get really mad because I was like I think that every company should have yeah. tampons and in the US every like office you go into that we were in anyway and a lot of other like buildings and restaurants and bars and everything have them and they're just out in baskets yeah. like in the bathrooms they also have loads of like so we just go to America anytime we have to go over see that's just nice stuff, yeah like, go into but Airbnb's I've, bathrooms and you were abusing the up. system you were <laughs> yeah. the reason it won't come here <laughs> I felt this weird sense of shame because I didn't have money to buy a box of tampons and I had yeah. to go around and ask and of course I got one but it was just a, a weird situation that I found myself in that I, yeah. it, it made me start thinking about the fact that you know there are loads of taxes people who on tampons and loads yeah. of people who can't afford it yeah. there is a charity that I've been following for a while now called Axe the Pink Tax okay Um, is that in the UK is it? uh, it's in the US oh right Um, and the pink tax is something that is so to explain it women pay there is a percentage I don't know the statistic but I should um, a percentage more for their products than men do Mm -hmm. and I'm talking about like female razor blades deodorant deodorant female you know um, (laughs) feminine hygiene products which means that I think women spend I think it was $1,800 a -hmm. year more More. just for being women because of the pink tax and how things are increased and they're trying to axe that but that's not also including the fact that like you know men will have a moisturiser that will do everything and women it will be like well, first you have to exfoliate, then you have to cleanse, and there's like 17 steps before you get to the moisturizer. So that's not even including that. That's just on comparative products, right? Yeah. And how they're marketed at you. And how they're marketed. So like, you can also choose to like just have one moisturizer, well, which I do have. Yeah, same. Oil of Olay, like. And also, men's deodorant thing. and men's razors are way better. So I buy them. Yeah. I don't buy the female ones. Yeah. I mean, I was following this, um, and there's actually there's a, a charity in Dublin, and it's called the Homeless Period, and yeah. and they they're doing great work. They're doing great work. But all that stuff, like all these organisations and charities and groups and initiatives, and like I've seen one-off women in girl crew who just like go on a mission to collect up sanitary products or like other products for women who are homeless and bring them but there, and basic, they'll go around and collect up stuff. Human rights. Yeah, but I, I'm like. I get really annoyed like I'm really impressed with it and amazed with that people do so much to help other people out and I also feel like really disgusted that like it's the general public and like private independent initiatives sorting this stuff out like day to day when that is the role of our government our politicians and yeah. it's like this is such an obvious clear thing there's such obvious clear like proven solutions and statistics around it and it's so slow to Yeah I, I, I think what I think what is happening is that to give them their due the government because it has been so masculine Mm. just wasn't aware like they just wouldn't have thought oh homeless women have periods we better look at that every single month and now Mm. that there are women in government and now that we are starting to crack open that gender wall um, and those barriers this progress is being made but it's slow because it's been so like it's just been so far from their minds like yeah. policymakers have been so ma- masculine and male yeah. that they just haven't and the awareness it. I think like the awareness of all these things and how we've been impacted by traditionally majority male you know institutions yeah. the awareness has grown so much faster than the progress goes that yeah. you just I end up really like it's oh, everywhere but there's yeah. also like a level of I think now in terms of like the kind of conversations that are happening at the moment in, in government and obviously things that have been happening with like the Me Too movement and stuff like this it's great that female issues are coming to the forefront but when it comes to like issues like this there's still a level of discomfort so like there was yeah. a man in the kitchen when I was over there like desperately hunting for a tampon and I was just like you know sorry about the fact that you very much know my you know menstrual cycle now but this is something that's happening and 
you know, when I went down and I finally got a tampon, I was like, am I going to put it up the sleeve? Am I going to put it in the back pocket? Like the tricks of the trade that, that women all have when it comes to hiding the fact that you have your period. And I think that that's something that we could probably do. Just yeah. a little thing by not being embarrassed about it, by talking about it. And then it's going to trickle into the greater realms of society. And one day, hopefully, men won't go, ugh, whenever you talk about your period. Like that's the dream, I think. Yeah. Anyway, We can produce but- humans. Yeah, awesome (laughs) for sure but I also think that there is like I know for me I don't have an issue with women talking about their period but Mm. pretending that it's not gross like for a man to be like ugh it's like yeah it is it's disgusting but we have it but I wish that wasn't their first reaction do you know what I mean like it's not a nice reaction to get if Mm. you mention your period and guys just go don't talk to me about that it's just like for fuck's sake like you don't have to deal with it I have to deal with it do you know Mm. what I mean oh yeah okay It, it kind of just slightly now I don't want them to be like, yeah, just tell me about your uterine lining. But you know, it's like, not. I don't, I don't, I don't think either. it's that. I think it's it's the expectation. You know, where it's like all women are different. So why would their sanitary towels be the same? Are you joking? <laughs> like, stop trying to like you know glamorize it. It is gross. It, it is, is disgusting. Gross, yeah. It is not blue water falling onto a white surface. <laughs> so can we just you know like if we don't have to pretend that it's this glorious glamorous thing? Yeah and be like oh this disgusting thing is happening again Mm. then we are that would be a lovely ad to see someone do actually like because ads have done some incredible you know changes in how they approach things and like even there was some ad for products that had like it had blood in it or it had red it was a big thing that it was nice but having an ad Mm. but having an ad where it's like this is disgusting and hard like like that would be I would appreciate that because it would be it would reflect the reality of how I feel about it well I think it would be a really refreshing take on on what is you know a monthly kind kind of battle for some people and then the yeah. thing is battle is a good word well there are it. some women who and we were talking about it in the kitchen because it became like a period discussion over lunch which was great and really refreshing because then we were talking about it and one of the girls was just saying you know like literally I get maybe two three days and then that's it I probably use like a couple of tampons I was just like wow that is incredible but then I respected her for telling her story and I was like now let me tell you about my shit show I was like it yeah. is seven full days and it is on like it is just you can't even come near me like in biblical times they would have put me in a hut do you yeah. know what I mean like it's bad but um, that's but not I, just biblical times that happens in some countries still I, so. well Jesus Christ I mean that's a that's kind of a bigger thing but Don't I would bring love him into it for God's sake <laughs> I think it would be good <laughs> to talk about it in a more thing like imagine seeing a woman on an ad who is literally bent over double because of the period cramps that she has like I mean I would buy yeah. whatever products there was a study that came out recently that uh, proved it was more painful than heart attacks well, like not obviously not all cramps. Oops, sorry for hitting my microphone. Um, but uh, yeah, more painful than yeah, heart attacks. It's viciously so. painful. But um, I'm gonna start uh, an initiative. Yes. In my company to try and get just little bowls of tampons everywhere and Do see. It. And tell them they're happens. doing it everywhere in Silicon Valley. Um, okay. To give them something to aspire to. And say, not isn't those that what creepy non-applicator for? ones. Like, can we just get proper? Well, I like, don't understand what those non-applicator ones are. Like, how are you supposed to use those? I don't understand. No. Oh, and let's just finish that. Um, <laughs> lads, before I let you go, so by the time this comes out on Monday, the new series of Can Cope, Won't Cope is going to be out. So 9.30. 9.30 tonight on RT2. So what can we expect from the second season? You can expect the heroes that you love. Mm-hmm. Um... For any of you who haven't seen it, it's yeah. So it's about these two female, these two girls who move from Cork to Dublin, and I have this like living for the weekend, um, lifestyle. And season one is on Netflix if you want to catch up on it. But season two looks at at the end of season one. Spoiler: they um, fragmented. Oh, let's say. oh yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so it looks at how they negotiate their lives apart for a little while okay so, so they they kind of now this isn't this isn't a spoiler but they go through some tough times as a unit um, and so at the end of season one we kind of see them navigate that and then so when we come back all of the same characters are going to be there though but they're just going to be plus some new faces plus some new faces some new locations mm-hmm. we shot half of it in Vancouver that's all I'm going to say about that yeah um, and yeah you can 
follow me on Twitter for if you've got any questions or if you want um, any. You're going to be glued to your phone tweeting live I, tonight? I, w- I won't be glued to my phone tweeting live tonight but I will tentatively stick my head above the parapet maybe on Tuesday morning and see if people are being cruel or kind and then if it's not too awful out there I might um, uh, come back and put I some I think people have generally been kind about your work though right like I mean yeah, you haven't, sure, you haven't there really are some people out there who oh, people are awful like absolutely are awful. people are awful and generally are just comment on like how I look and how that doesn't match what I write and it's just like oh please go away you're so mean <laughs> that's bizarre yeah what else um, do you have coming up then you said you mentioned you're working on a new book I'm working on a new book. Tell us about it. Uh, How to break up with the friends you don't like. No, that's <laughs> that chapter was five, one. I in think. In the first one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have to read it. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing a book, but I haven't started it yet. Okay. Um, so I'm going to write that in June and July. Um, okay. I have to have it due. It's, don't tell my editor, but it's like, I'm on deadline. It's grand. It'll be fine. It'll be totally grand. And then I'm writing a TV series with First Look Media in New York. Um, and I've just started working with Paramount. Amazing. So there's lots going on and um, I'm going to be where I am happiest on my own with my laptop cool. <laughs> next to my silent house. <laughs> Hopefully not wearing his underwear. Never wearing his underwear But again. you never know. Whatever. Me once. Boys underwear can be comfortable but we won't get into that. Elva, what's coming up for Girl Crew in the next while? So you guys, I mean, you made a big deal there recently as well. Like you've got some oh, huge yeah. investors in the US which is amazing. Yeah, we raised a serious amount of funding I guess for an Irish startup but like by our startup standards pretty good uh, and yet CEO of LinkedIn Jeff Weiner is one of the people who invested in us uh, the head of data the science at Reddit yeah. um, and you met Mark Chief Zuckerberg Marketing. right? yeah we did what's he like? Uh, yeah like really did you ask him what's he, up? yeah <laughs> he, he, he like, seems really in person he seems really nice he seems very genuine mm-hmm. um, and you know like has really obviously very big goals like what he wants to do is is huge and ambitious and Mm. I think what he did became so successful at such a young age I think it's interesting to see sort of uh, the difficulties that arrive from someone who like has less life experience maybe than someone like traditionally companies that size with that kind of revenue and those kind of numbers like he kind of changed the world a little bit when he was in his early 20s and I don't think yeah and I don't know that I don't really feel that like it's malicious or uh, it's the intention like I think his intentions have been good but maybe like slightly naive about the impact of certain things he's done and um, and naive about thinking he can solve them or they can just solve them as a business without this being a much bigger deal um, but like so in person he was lovely and you know chatted about he had just had his baby and was chatting about changing nappies and it sounded like he had worked out an algorithm for the best way to change nappies so of I was like, course well, he did <laughs> true, it's true like, so that was cool yeah so we just uh, launched in the US and the UK about a month ago as well um, like the app because obviously our Facebook groups had been running everywhere mm. the app's just launched in the UK and the US so we're kind of focusing on marketing and stuff there and getting word out so if anybody wants to tell their friends that Girl Crew is available in America and the UK that would be cool um, and then our Girl Crew Pro event which is coming up I, uh, towards the end of May with I think Sene. but you can check the date on the app yeah Amazing. with Sene and we have um, Katrina Hallinan who's the MD of Microsoft Ireland and a couple of other um, incredible women Amazing Ladies that unfortunately is all the time we have for this week thank you so much to my spotlight on sports Sene thank you to my guest panellists Stephanie Preisner and Elva Carey Shane Dempsey was on sound Kat Stewart and Fiona Delaney were helping me out today. I'm Neve Marr and we will chat to you next week.